Welcome to the very first episode of a series that aims to cover topics, processes and terms found in the business world. The presentations will be broadly divided into three distinct, but related categories of economics, finance, and business. This is a production by Dr. Admire Mopper Radzer Dubey. Our presentations will follow this format. Each episode will fall under one of the three categories I mentioned earlier. The title will first show the category then the subject matter under discussion. Each offering will thus lead with category, name, then title. For instance, finance, corporation tax, or economics, aggregate demand, etc. The category of business is especially interesting to us, and we are positive it will be to you as well. This is because we're going to delve into related topics and beyond, like management and marketing. But we shall, from time to time, pick on trending news of the day from the business world and discuss them as case studies. This is regardless if the case study may have fallen under a different category. For instance, we may discuss the impact of a hard border post-Brexit on corporate finances of a Northern Ireland grocer, particularly if it is headquartered in Germany but with suppliers in the European Union. What tax planning will it adopt? What labor policy will be best suitable? What is the optimum supply chain optimization? Ultimately, what is the ideal and economic business model for such a grocer? As you can see all these are economics, finance and business questions and best suitable as a case study. Strictly speaking, this case study will straddle not only economics and finance categories, but is also a very political subject, something we are no experts in. But because it is a case study then we will classify it under business category. It is imperative at this juncture to mention that, although in all our series, we strive to be as factual and abreast with current trends and legislation as possible. Our presentations and analysis are not a substitute for professional financial services. Neither are they a substitute for your educational tuition material if you are using our series for study purposes. Use your discretion on what you think is of value to you, as we are not responsible for the actions users take based on the contents of our series. For professional help, contact us directly on the details provided at the end. Enjoy the presentation. Please consider subscribing and follow us on social media as well. We thank you for you all for your love and support and we keenly look forward to engaged discussions. For our first introductory offering today we will begin by discussing, in general, what each of the three broad categories are all about. Economics, Finance, and Business What are macroeconomics and what are microeconomics? First, let's look at economics. What is economics? Why is economics important? What are macroeconomics and what are microeconomics? The fundamental economic problem is one of scarcity. What are the three basic questions of economics? Economics is the study of how people use scarce resources to make choices about how to allocate their time and wealth, and how those choices influence the production and distribution of goods. Simply put, economics is the study of how humans, directly or indirectly, interact with each other and the world around them. It goes without saying that it's a broad field. Economics includes topics as diverse as money and banking, healthcare, climate change, and even behavior on social media. But at its core, it is about making decisions about how to allocate limited resources, which includes money, wealth and other forms and time, in a way that benefits everyone involved. 
Why is economics important? Central to the study of economics, is the incessant pursuit to find an efficient, or optimum, use of resources to achieve set goals, amid a limited amount of the said resources. When trying to figure out what's the best course of action to take when faced with limited resources, what should one do? Where, in what quantity, and at what point, should one commit these resources? What should be bought? How should money be distributed? Where should time be spent? These are some of the questions that the study of economics helps individuals and entities to answer with predictable results. So in a nutshell, economics is important because it helps us understand our lives and the world around us. It helps us figure out what we need to do in order to be successful and happy. The world has been getting smaller and more connected, but the challenges facing us are becoming more complex. We need to be able to make smart decisions that will help us all live better lives. The fundamental economic problem is of scarcity. Scarcity, in economics, refers to the limited availability of resources. The problem of scarcity can be grouped into three categories, natural scarcity, market scarcity, and technological scarcity. Natural scarcities are those that result from the planet's resources being finite, such as oil or water. Market scarcities are those that result from the finite nature of markets and how they work, such as food shortages or high taxes on luxury items like diamonds or fine art. Technological scarcities are those that result from the limited availability of technology, which can affect how many people have access to it and how quickly new technologies are developed. Macro and Microeconomics Macroeconomics and microeconomics are two terms used to describe different ways of looking at economics. Macroeconomics is the study of the economy as a whole, while microeconomics is the study of how individuals interact with one another, amid scarcity. Macroeconomics focuses on the large-scale market forces that affect the whole economies, such as inflation, unemployment, and interest rates. This includes the development of national economies and their policies, as well as the effects of economic policies on international trade and finance. Macroeconomics is often applied to national governments, but it can also be used to describe global phenomena. Microeconomics, on the other hand, is a study pertaining to the economy at a more granular level. Microeconomics focuses on individual companies or industries. It is often applied to businesses and consumers in order to understand their decisions about spending money or buying products. In microeconomic studies, we look at how individuals make decisions based on their own needs or wants. The differences between these two fields can be confusing because they do overlap in some ways. For example, if you look at unemployment data, macroeconomic statistics might include unemployment rates for all of the country's citizens, while microeconomic statistics might only include unemployment rates for specific groups within society, such as those who live in urban areas or those without university degrees. In each of our economics presentation, we will pick a topic under macroeconomics and another under microeconomics and explore them separately. What are the three basic concepts of economics? Economics seeks to address three types of queries. 1. What goods and services should be produced to meet consumer needs? 2. How should they be produced, and who should produce them? 3. Who should receive goods and services? What should be made? So, let's deal with the first question of what to produce. Economic actors must choose what to create given limited labor, raw material, and time resources. 
The majority of prehistoric economies prioritize creating food and shelter, two essentials for survival. However, when productivity rises, more resources become available in the economy, which may be used to non-essential items like leisure and education. Production is governed by market forces in a free market. Businesses and entrepreneurs will create products that people want to buy. Government action in a mixed economy may lead to a decision to generate additional public goods, which are not lucrative but do increase economic well-being. Next, we look at the question of how to produce. A business person will attempt to manufacture items in the most advantageous and economical way. The development of technology and more productive industrial techniques, like the assembly line, are driven by this incentive. To reduce environmental harm, a government may control manufacturing practices. And we look at the third question of For whom to produce? Goods are made available to those who can afford to pay for them in a free market. This might be accomplished by a straightforward barter trade or, as is more commonplace nowadays, monetary payments. In civilizations with a higher level of altruism, we would try to create products and services for people who might not be able to purchase them. For instance, free health care is available at the point of use in many Western economies. In the coming series, after we have laid the basics, expect us to tackle interesting topics such as 1. How far should the government get involved in the market? 2. How much tax should the government levy and utilize the proceeds to fund public expenditure on merit and demerit goods? 3. How should economic well-being be defined? 4. Simple monetary metrics, such as real GDP, provide only a partial picture of living conditions. But do they supersede other indicators, such as health care, environmental quality, as a measure of real living standards? 5. How much effect can the government, central bank have on the macroeconomy? 6. Is it possible to lower unemployment and inflation while also encouraging economic growth? 7. What are the benefits and drawbacks of economic data, the problem of cherry-picking data? 8. Is globalization beneficial or detrimental to developing countries? 9. Should higher education be provided for free? 10. Capitalism's advantages and disadvantages. 11. Immigration's economic benefits and drawbacks. 12. What is the government's spending policy? 13. Who is the government obligated to pay? 14. What is a government source of funds besides taxation? 15. Is a devaluation beneficial to the economy? And many, many, more interesting questions. Now we get to the glossary of today's words needing explanation. Glossary Free Market An economic system based on supply and demand with little or no government intervention. It is a concise explanation of all voluntary trades that occur in a particular economic context. Free markets are distinguished by a spontaneous and decentralized sequence of arrangements by which individuals make economic decisions. A country's free market economy can range from very vast to wholly illegal, depending on its political and legal norms. Market Forces the economic variables that influence the price, demand for, and availability of a commodity. What are the four market forces? There are four primary elements that influence both long-term trends and short-term changes. 
These are government, foreign transactions, speculation and anticipation, and supply and demand. Productivity In economics, productivity quantifies output per unit of input, such as labor, capital, or any other resource. At national level, it is frequently computed as a ratio of GDP to hours worked. Labor productivity may be broken down further by industry to study trends in labor growth, salary levels, and technology advancement. At organization level, productivity is a measure of the efficiency of a company's production process at the corporate level. It is measured by measuring the number of units produced relative to employee work hours or by comparing a company's net sales relative to employee labor hours. Productivity increase is closely related to corporate earnings and shareholder returns. Resources In economics, a resource is defined as a service or other asset utilized to generate commodities and services that suit human needs and desires. Economics divides resources into four categories, land, labor, capital, and business. Recently, technology has been recognized as a determinant of production and therefore the fifth category. The advantages of resource use may include greater money, effective system operation, or improved well-being. A natural resource is anything collected from the environment to meet human needs and desires. Now, let's look at finance. What is finance? How do organizations finance themselves? How does capital budgeting work in a corporation? What are the critical tools needed to make financial decisions? Market capitalization or equity? Why is corporate finance strategy important to all managers? We will touch briefly on securities markets as well. Finance is the study of money and its role in the economy. It looks at how organizations finance themselves, and how capital budgeting works within a corporation. Finance provides a framework for making decisions about the best way to use resources to achieve organizational goals. In practice, finance involves analyzing profit and loss statements and balance sheets to determine how much money a company has, where it's coming from, and where it's going. This clearly shows that finance encompasses many different fields, including accounting, banking, law and management. So, as we present our series do not be surprised to find us discussing matters which you may recognize as belonging to other fields. The simple reason for this is that money transcends multiple facets of our life. So naturally does finance, because it is simply the study of money and its use. This includes the management of financial resources for the purpose of earning profit. How do organizations finance themselves? Organizations finance themselves by borrowing money from investors who are willing to lend them money. They also may be able to raise additional funds through issuing stocks, bonds, or other securities which can be owned by shareholders. Please do not be intimidated by words we may use from time to time, like stocks, bonds, securities markets etc. At the end of each segment we have a glossary of terms we feel need description. We may, from time to time, take the view that the terms used need a dedicated discussion as a topic on their own. This will ensure we do justice to their importance and explain them in full. So, follow us on here, and other platforms, where you will be notified when we release new content. Back to the topic. How does capital budgeting work in a corporation? 
Entities use capital budgeting as a way of making sure that they have enough funds available to cover their long-term needs, while not spending too much on short-term projects that may not turn out well. Capital budgeting is one tool used by corporate managers to make financial decisions. What are the critical tools needed to make financial decisions? The most important tools needed to make financial decisions are a good understanding of the fundamentals of accounting, economics, business law, and finance. It is also important to be familiar with securities markets as these markets play a major role in financing corporate activities. Another tool used by managers is market capitalization, which refers to the overall value of a company based on all shares it has issued and outstanding shares, which can vary considerably depending on how many shares are sold and at what price. Market capitalization should not be confused with equity, also called ownership interest, which refers to any type of shareholding in a company, including common stock, preferred stock, warrants and options, that gives you a claim on future profits. Market capitalization or equity? Well, the first step in grasping capitalization is in understanding how businesses finance themselves. Either through self-funding or from outside sources, which are the two major types of funding, equity and debt. Equity refers to ownership in a company, while debt refers to borrowing money from a bank or other lender. Equity comes from investors who buy shares in a company through an initial public offering, IPO, or other means, such as crowdfunding. Debt comes from banks or other lenders who lend money to businesses during periods when there isn't enough available cash flow for them to pay back their debts. The second step in understanding how organizations finance themselves is to understand how capital budgeting works within corporations. Capital budgeting refers to planning for future projects by predicting what resources will be needed and when those resources will be needed so that the project can be completed on time or under budget. Capital budgeting also helps managers determine which projects should take precedence over others, and why, based on these predictions. In order to get their hands on the money they need, corporations must fund themselves through several methods. There are three primary financial options, debt financing, equity financing, and cash management. All businesses face these choices at some point in their life cycle, however, some businesses choose to take on more debt than others. The use of debt is typically reserved for small businesses that need money quickly for operational expenses but can't afford to issue shares instead of taking out loans, because those shares would be worth less than the value of their assets if sold privately without an investment banker involved. Why is corporate finance strategy important to all managers? Corporate finance strategy is important to all managers, and key stakeholders, because it helps them to understand the core business of their company, as well as the competitive landscape in which they operate. Corporate finance strategy also helps them to identify opportunities for growth and improvement, and it provides a framework for evaluating investment opportunities. If a manager doesn't have a good understanding of the company's financial health, they can't effectively make decisions that will help it thrive in the future. Managers, and business owners, need to be able to look at their company's finances and understand what is happening in order to make informed decisions about how they can improve their company's performance in the future. A good corporate finance strategy should also include an understanding of how each department within an organization contributes to overall success or failure. This will give insight into areas where one may need to focus on to improve performance more quickly than others so that goals can achieve within budget constraints, while still remaining profitable over time. As in economics section, 
Let's have our glossary for today's finance section terms. Bond A bond is a fixed income investment that, in simplest terms, can be viewed as a loan from an investor to a borrower, who typically is a corporate or governmental department. A bond might be compared to an agreement outlining the terms of the loan and the associated payments between the lender and borrower. Companies, municipalities, states, and sovereign governments all utilize bonds to finance their operations and capital expenditures. As such, bondholders are the issuer's debt holders. Or what we term creditors. Stock A stock, usually referred to as equity, is a type of purchase that represents ownership in a portion of the issuing company. Shares, also known as units of stock, entitle its owners to a share of the company's assets and income in proportion to the number of shares they possess. Most individual investors' portfolios are built on stocks, which are mostly bought and sold on stock exchanges. Government standards designed to shield investors from dishonest tactics must be followed during stock trading. Businesses raise money to run their operations by issuing stock, and shareholders who own stock may be entitled to a portion of the company's assets and profits. Securities Financial instruments that are fungible, exchangeable, negotiable, and have a monetary value of some kind are referred to as securities. A security can thus reflect rights to ownership through the ownership of an option, a lender-borrower relationship with a government agency or company, or ownership of that organization's bond. It can also represent ownership in the form of stock. Securities Market Securities, and shares of publicly traded corporations, can be purchased and sold on a number of exchanges together referred to as stock markets, or securities markets. Such financial transactions are made through official exchanges and over-the-counter, OTC, markets that follow a set of rules. The terms stock market, securities market and stock exchange are frequently used synonymously. Finally, we look at business. What is business? What are the critical aspects of value creation and value delivery? What are the current trends in sales and marketing? What is organizational structure and how does it feed into types of management? Business is defined as the process of creating, producing, distributing, or providing goods and services for compensation. The word business is derived from the Old English word Vanessa, meaning personal or family affairs, and has gradually come to mean, one who gets a living out of an occupation. Businesses are organized institutions that are usually engaged in supplying goods or services to consumers in exchange for money. They can be either privately owned or publicly owned. Business includes the planning, organizing and direction of an enterprise, including its manufacturing, sales, and distribution. Its main purpose is to create value for its customers by offering them goods and services at a price which will attract customers' attention. This value may be created through 1. Innovation and technical advances, such as new products or processes. 2. By creating better customer service. 3. By offering more attractive prices or better quality. 4. Or by improving productivity levels in an organization through automation. 
what are the critical aspects of value creation and value delivery? There are many aspects of value creation and delivery in business. The most critical aspect is the ability to create and deliver value. This means that businesses must be able to provide a service or a product that their customers want, and they must be able to do it efficiently. When you have a strong connection between your brand and your products, customers will be more likely to buy them. The second aspect of value creation and delivery is creating new products or services that customers are not accustomed to receiving from other companies. Differentiation. This can include creating new products or services, improving existing ones, or finding ways to reduce costs. Value delivery is the process by which a company delivers those products or services to its customers. This can include shipping them from one place to another, providing customer support information, or offering a rewards program for customers who buy from them. A third aspect of value creation and delivery is developing relationships with customers by providing them something that they want, but do not already have access to. The business team will need to work in unison towards clearly defined goals to enable them to ensure they're delivering on the promises they make in their marketing campaigns and advertisements. You can do this by using marketing tactics like social media posts or advertisements, but also by developing relationships with customers and engaging them in conversations about the products they love. A business can also build trust by showing that it cares about clients by giving them free samples of its products or giving them discounts on future purchases. The fourth aspect of value creation and delivery is having the ability to provide a consistent level of quality service throughout your organization, which can help build trust with your customers as well as increase loyalty within the company itself. All members of your team have to work together towards the same goals and objectives as well as communicating effectively with one another so that everyone knows what needs to happen next. In addition to these aspects of business, there are also two other key elements, competition and growth, or expansion. Competition is an aspect of business where multiple companies are trying to sell their products or services to the same market in order to attract customers away from each other. Growth is when a company grows its customer base over time by selling more products or services than it was selling previously. It expands its reach into new markets through word-of-mouth publicity from satisfied customers who tell others about their experiences with that company's products or services. Have you ever wondered what the current trends in sales and marketing are? Well, wonder no more. 1. The rise of the virtual assistant. 2. The need for more accountability in the workplace. 3. The impact of social media on sales, marketing and brand management. The current trends in sales and marketing are the result of a number of factors. All these have been necessitated by the rise of the internet as a platform for business. The increased use of mobile devices to connect with customers. And the shift from direct to indirect sales approaches, where companies rely on word-of-mouth marketing rather than advertising. Expanding on this we can say businesses are constantly trying to predict what's next in sales and marketing. It's a tough job, and it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day grind of running your business. But it's also important to keep your eye on the long term, because trends can change quickly. The biggest trend right now, particularly post-COVID-19 pandemic, is the rise of e-commerce. It's a great way for businesses to reach people who might not otherwise be able to buy from them, and it also lets them reach out to customers who live far away. 
E-commerce is especially popular among those looking for special products that aren't available at brick and mortar stores, like custom clothes. Another trend that has gained momentum recently is customer service. People are expecting more from their companies these days, and they want answers when they have questions or concerns about an order or product. This means that communicating with customers is more important than ever before. Companies should take every opportunity they can find to let their customers know how much they appreciate them and understand what they're going through on a personal level. In a more technologically connected world, as is obtaining at present, and with the rise of social media use, it was just a matter of time before formal business communications with their clients migrated to the not-so-formal social media. Social media has changed the way people interact with businesses. Now, instead of having a conversation with a business representative or browsing through their website from home, consumers are able to connect with businesses on their preferred social media platforms. This has led to more people investing in online marketing campaigns, which has resulted in better engagement rates and more conversions. Today's consumers are more aware of how they interact with brands. They are beginning to ask questions about where their purchases come from and why they should trust them. Social media provides these answers for them, and with it comes increased trust between customers and brands. What is organizational structure and how does it feed into types of management? Organizational structure is the way in which a business is organized. It includes the roles and responsibilities of employees, as well as how these roles are divided across departments, divisions, or subsidiaries. The structure also includes the relationship between these divisions and the overall company. The nature of an organization's business determines many of its characteristics, including the types of goods or services it provides and how it is structured. Horizontal organization is when managers are organized based on the type of work they do or the business function they are responsible for. This means there will be different levels of managers with similar jobs who report to each other, depending on their organizational hierarchy. Vertical organization is when managers are organized based on their role in the company's chain of command. This means that at any one time, there will be one person who reports directly to you, but also others who report up or down from that position as well. Other schools of thought prefer to look at organizational structure as hierarchical or functional. Hierarchical, this type of organizational structure is defined by a pyramid, with one person at the top and many people below. The pyramid can have any shape, but most often it will be a triangle or square shape. For example, a company with five employees would be considered hierarchical because each employee reports to one manager, who then reports to another manager, etc. Functional structure, Functional organizations are defined by their function within the company rather than by a hierarchical structure, they typically have no managers at all. For example, if you were working for an electric company and your job was to wire houses together, then you would be considered functional because there would be no managers to report to or bosses above you in this type of organization. Of course, whichever way you look at these structures, there are always some entities that take a median ground between two extremes, which we shall term mixed or matrix organizational structures. Mixed organizations contain elements of both functional and hierarchical structures, or vertical or horizontal. They typically have multiple levels of reporting structures within them but also have some sort of division between departments so that each department has its own reporting structure. Within these organizational structures will be suitable management types that suit each. There are three main types. Command, democratic and autocratic. Command-based management involves a leader that makes decisions for everyone else. 
Democratic management involves elected representatives who make decisions for everyone else. Autocratic management involves one person making all decisions for everyone else. In future episodes we will explore which management styles suit which organizational structure. And for today's glossary terms we will look at. Customer service. Customer service is the one-on-one -on -one interaction that occurs between a customer making a purchase and a representative of the firm selling it. Most merchants see direct touch with customers as an important aspect in assuring consumer happiness and driving repeat business. Even today, when much of customer service is handled by automated self-service platforms, most organizations consider the ability to talk with a human being to be essential. It is an important part of servant leadership. Differentiation Product differentiation is the characteristic or characteristics that make your product or service stand out to your target audience. It's how you distinguish what you sell from what your competitors do, and it increases brand loyalty, sales, and growth. It is the principle of setting a company apart from the competition through specific elements, such as your distribution network or price point. It provides a superior level of value to the company's customers and helps it to distinguish itself in the marketplace. E-Business E-business is a general term that encompasses all forms of using digital information and communication technologies to support and optimize business processes. In contrast, e-commerce describes only the online trading of products and services, and is therefore only a subsection of e-business. Simply put, e-commerce business is a business model where buyers and sellers exchange goods and services with consumers over the internet. Two common types are business-to-business, B2B, and business-to-consumer, B2C. Products and services. Products are often tangible goods that customers may physically grasp in their hands. Intangible value that organized economic activities provide, sometimes for free, are called services. Please bear in mind that the seas might become a little murky when discussing commodities versus services, as many services typically end in some form of physical deliverable. Distinct instances of such blurred lines include, a graphic designer who provides a service. But that generally results in a physical product, such as brochures, business cards, or a new logo. Alternatively, a law company may provide legal services, which may result in physical outcomes like a building contracts. It is thus feasible to mix up services and products. Value It is the monetary, material, or appraised worth of an object, good, or service. The term value refers to a wide range of ideas, including shareholder value, firm value, fair value, and market value. Some of the terminology are well-known business jargon, while others are official terms for accounting and auditing standards of reporting. With that we bring our presentation to a close. We need to hear from you, please comment. At this point, we have to remind each other again of the disclaimer. This production is for information purposes only. For professional assistance to make commercial decisions, and on specific queries, we provide a paid service. Please contact us directly on website www.admiremopperradzerdube.com Spelt A-D-M-I-R-E-M-A-P-A-R-A-D-Z-A-D-U-B-E dot com
You can also reach us on our social media accounts of the same names. Please do consider following and subscribing while you at it for midweek updates. We would like to thank our sponsors, without whom this series would not have been possible. Finaco Finance Brass Monkey Distillers Star Farm Produce E-Power Energy ASAC Construction Right Angle Engineering Sendisa Logistics Big Lights Media Chem Matrix Chemicals and Finally, Cradle of Africa Travel and Tours We look forward to the next edition. Have a good one. Till next time. Cheers.